And a hearty welcome and a happy Monday to one and all. This is the centennial episode 100, wow, of the Confessions of a Not-So-Dangerous-Mind podcast. And I would like to thank you all very much today, of course, for joining me for the 100th episode. If you're doing so on the YouTube channel, or enjoying the content, have enjoyed the content, hope to continue to enjoy the content, but maybe you haven't done so already, click like, subscribe, comment, turn on those notifications. Or if you're catching up with this episode on the audio platforms, such as Spotify or iTunes, same rule applies. Click like, subscribe, turn on those notifications. So yesterday was my mother's 79th birthday. I'm allowed to say that? I think I am. My mom really doesn't give a shit. She's one of those kinds of people in the best sense. And for many uh, Generation Xers, and I, I say Generation Xers, but the reality is there are many millennials and even people in Generation Z and elder millennials, younger millennials, who have lost one or both parents. Most people in my age bracket have lost one of their two parents. And it is, it is very difficult to lose a parent. You know this, it changes you forever, especially if you were very close to them or you didn't have the best relationship and have deep regrets about that. But I count myself as blessed to have had my dad for as long as I did. He wasn't that old when he died. He had not turned 80 when he passed. And I am very fortunate to have my mom, who lives in Florida and is retired and has gotten maybe a lot more out of life than she imagined for herself. When she was a girl in Valley Stream, New York, dreaming of one day growing up and having a family, which she succeeded at both, well, I don't know about the growing up part, but she succeeded in having a family. She's still very much a child at heart. And I want to talk about my parents, I have discussed my father in greater detail, but still haven't really gone deep with um, what made him tick and the kind of different life lessons he imparted or even that my mother imparted over the years. But I am blessed to have her in my life still, and I was blessed to have him. And the thing with my dad is that if he had been born in the last 30 years, but have very early in his life been diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. I'm not sure if diagnosed is the right word. Let me apologize in advance if I'm not using the right word. But as I would have as well. He was the kind of kid who they used to say, well, he's, he's awkward. He's shy. He keeps to himself. Is he stupid? No, he's not stupid. He's very competent. He's just awkward and shy and keeps to himself. Now my mom was a people person as a much younger, as a young kid growing up in Valley Stream and there are even pictures of her as a girl interacting with numerous friends, many of whom she's still friends with to this day, which we always love to see. But I want to, rather than go into heavy stuff, I want to get into the fact that Despite my parents, my sister and I, our parents, splitting when I was 13 and Jessica was uh, four, 
memories of growing up, and this is something that I am, I'm grateful for so many things, and I've talked about this on the channel, and people who know me from Bev's gym or just from life, I am one of the luckiest, if not the luckiest person who will ever, ever cross your orbit in so many different ways. But one way in particular is that there was love in the household in which I grew up. Whatever issues our parents had, there was so much laughter. And I remember days and nights of almost endless laughter. And my father, as a neurodivergent individual, as somebody who was known to be, yeah, Cone's really serious. He was called Cone before anybody called me Cone. Endless laughter. And practical jokes my parents would team up on to, to gently send their son's way because I was a kid who was pretty serious. I was somebody who needed jokes, who needed laughter, who needed to not stress so much. Very difficult, easier said than done. I want to talk about the first story that I want to share with you. It happened when I was either seven or eight, so we can do the math. This is probably in the early days of the Ronald Reagan administration. In the words of Christopher Lloyd in Back to the Future, okay, future boy, who's president of the United States in 1985? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, the actor? Yes, that Ronald Reagan, as if there's another Ronald Reagan. We were at the dinner table, the kitchen table, basically. The old house in Massapequa, St. Mark's Place. I won't give out the number just in case someone's listening. But it was two blocks directly south of a pair of landmarks, one of which has been reformatted, uh, and the other is still there. All-American, the iconic mom-and-pop hamburger, french fry, hot dog, shake, soda establishment, which has been featured on a lot of different television programs, including by Guy Pieri, the diner's drive-ins program that he had, uh, roadside attractions, and there was a car bell. That parking lot was two blocks away from where I grew up, just to give the Long Islanders a little geographical uh, perspective here. We're at the table, we're having dinner, don't know if the Yankee game was on. You know, we thought it was a great thing we had a TV in the, in the kitchen. Oh my God, we have a TV in the kitchen. Well, until the early 1980s, not that many people actually had a TV in the kitchen. We had a TV in the kitchen. But usually it wouldn't be turned on. We wanted to, you know, chit-chat. This one particular night, I don't know what the genesis of this was. Maybe I was, I seemed depressed or I seemed sad or aggravated, whatever it was. But my parents had to have gotten together. But bear in mind, to me, these were people who were very old. One foot in the grave, yeah, my parents are really old. They're both in their 30s at the time of this particular story. This is what happens when you start to actually accrue certain years and experiences where you realize that your parents are nowhere near as old as you imagined them. The ages don't mean the same thing. Saying the phrase, my mom is 36, when you're a six-year-old boy, or seven, wow, your mom's really old. No, my mom is not really old. My mom was a kid. She just happened to have me. She was in her 20s when I was born. We're sitting at the table. And my dad, out of nowhere, apropos of nothing, goes, Jerry, you want to hear a joke? 
Yeah, yeah, Dad, yeah. And I get excited. My mom starts laughing. He hasn't told the joke, and she's already laughing, which would indicate, now, I'm six, maybe I'm seven. It's not calculating in my head that there's something happening here, because why would mom start laughing before he even tells me the joke? Yeah, the way he said, you want to hear a joke, was kind of humorous, I think, but looking back on it, something was already up. Something was cooking between my two parents who bickered often, but shared the same absurd sense of humor. So my dad looks at me. He goes, all right, Jerry, you've got to pay real close attention to this joke or you're not going to get it. Okay, Dad. You, you promise you'll pay close attention? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. Put your fork down. Oh, yeah. He smiles. Okay. Listen real carefully, because a lot of people don't get this joke but I know that you're going to get the joke. You're smart. You're my son. That's right, Jay. Okay. Well, what's the joke? Dad launches into this. All right, Jerry, here we go. A lion and a mouse are sitting in a bathtub. My mom is already laughing and is covering her mouth but she is losing it, just from this opening line, which means nothing. You can see that she's struggling to not completely lose her shit. And I had seen her have these laughter attacks, even as a young boy, and it was always entertaining. But now it's, it's distract, it's not entertaining, because there isn't any reason for it. A lion and a mouse are sitting in a bathtub. The lion says to the mouse, past soap. The mouse says, no soap, radio. My dear mother, who turned 79 yesterday, drops all pretense of preventing or trying to keep me from seeing how much she's laughing, and she begins screaming with laughter. Immediately, she is screaming with laughter. And my dad, his eyes get really big, his face turns red, and he starts laughing. And seven-year-old Jeremy Scott Cohen, this random day, night, 1981, you know the phrase, he's left holding the bag? I'm left holding the bag. And no, kids, I didn't secure the bag. I'm left holding the bag of this joke, which does not make any sense at all. Zero. I'm not stupid. Yeah, I was a little boy, but I was sharp. And this joke, a lion and a mouse are sitting in a bathtub. The lion says to the mouse, pass the soap. The mouse says, no soap radio. The setup is fine. There's no punchline. The story just, it goes nowhere. My mom, within 10 seconds, seeing my reaction of utter confusion, I assume, she is laughing as hard as she has ever laughed. My mother would have been 36 at the time. She is doubled over. Tears are already streaming down her face, and she is wailing, wailing. My dad picks up on 
the sort of uh, contagiousness of laughter, he starts laughing, and he's laughing. As the seconds tick, he's laughing harder and harder. Dad, who usually didn't go for this kind of stuff, he's cracking up, cracking up. He says, Jared, it's funny, why aren't you laughing? You know, and he almost can't even get the words out, he's laughing so hard. So the more confused I appear, the more agitated I seem, I'm just playing right into their hands. They're laughing harder and harder. And I'm saying, well, but I don't get the joke. I, this is not, it's not funny. What's, what's the trick? No soap radio. And then I say the phrase, no soap radio, and my mother, like, goes off the chair onto the floor from laughing so hard. Like, she can't even keep herself on the chair. Me saying the phrase, no soap radio, now she's on the floor. And my dad now is laughing hard enough where he's starting to tear up. He's like crying. These two knuckleheads, my parents, my wonderful, amazing, ingenious parents, are dying laughing. And it's sort of like a multiplier accelerator in reverse. The more aggravated I get, the harder they laugh. But I... If you want to say, I stick to my guns, yeah, I stick to my guns. It's not funny. It's not a joke. You told me this was a joke. There's, there's nothing going on here. I'm getting more and more frustrated. I don't get it. So with my mom continuing to be completely out of control laughing, my dad manages to compose himself. He says, all right, Jerry. Jerry, you're overthinking this. This is something that I used to get when I was a kid. You're overthinking it, Cone. Jeremy, overthinking this. Teachers never called me Cone, sometimes Mr. Cone, even at a young age. You're overthinking this, Mr. Cone. It's not that complicated. You're overthinking this, Jeremy. Just walk, I'll walk you through it, right? Go real slow. Lion and a mouse, lion and a mouse are sitting in a bathroom. And just with that line, my mom screams again. So she's doing her own thing, as people always said about my mom. Yeah, Candy, she just kind of, she's off in her own world. She just does her own thing. A lion and a mouse are sitting in a bathtub. Lion says to the mouse, and then as if for emphasis, my father leans in, pass the soap. The mouse says, he turns to my mom, who can barely get the words out. She manages to somehow croak. No soap. Still doesn't work. Still doesn't make any sense. I'm still massively confused and angry. Laughing, 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 laughing. I am just getting more pissed off by the second. But finally, I say, it's not funny. Now, I did not, I was not intelligent enough at the age of seven to understand that I had just been the victim of a very gentle, practical joke. But I was aggravated for the rest of the night because the joke did not make sense. Now, here's what I understand now. The joke basically is a character and personality test because it is not a joke. It is an anti-joke. There are plenty of people who are those who just want to fit in will laugh as though they get the joke. 
They will join a community of laughter so as not to feel ostracized, so as not to be perceived as, oh, you're too stupid to get the joke. I don't know that my dad and my mom were trying to see, is this kid a leader or a follower? Is this kid going to do his own thing or is he just going to try to fit in? I don't really believe that they were going that deep. I'm not giving them level six. I think this was level one. They just wanted to see how I would react. But the fact that I reacted as I did indicated a differently abled child who was a different kind of thinker because it didn't make sense. It was not a joke. In any way, there is no punchline. I didn't miss context. This is not a joke. I showed that I was not going to be a victim of a herd mentality. I was not going to act as if I understood something because, hey, what do you know? There isn't anything to understand. It's a joke that doesn't have a punchline. It's not a fucking joke. No soap, radio. But it is an experiment. You can try it with people. It doesn't have to be a younger person. See if they laugh. In most cases, if you have a group of people in on this practical joke and they lay it out, the person will not get it, but they will laugh along, thinking that, well, I just missed it. I didn't understand it. But they will laugh along. Because, hey, laughter is contagious. But in that particular case, I didn't, why I didn't make any sense. I'm not laughing. I want you to explain why this is funny. Well, if I have to explain it, then it isn't funny. No, it's just not funny. That was the point. Even though I didn't laugh, I didn't laugh until years later when I was old enough to understand that my parents had played a practical joke on me. And in a weird way, they were testing me. I passed the test. Even though that's not what they were doing. They weren't intentionally saying, let's see if our kid's as smart as we think. No, because there are plenty of high IQ people who simply would have laughed just let's move on to the next thing. Just move on to the next thing. Now, at various points, years after they split, each parent would tell me that they kept the other around for comic relief. That's not really true. That was a sort of gentle way of undercutting one. My dad didn't keep my mom around for comic relief, but my mom is hysterically funny in her own way, and not in a subtle way. So to give you a little perspective on my mom, is that she really does believe the adage, a day without laughter is a day wasted. She may never have verbalized it in those terms, but I know that it's true. She believes that it's true. So the kind of personality that she is, my sister and uh, my cousin, who lives a couple of minutes from me, right here in, over in Selden, they just visited my mom uh, in Fort Lauderdale. And when they came home, of course I asked, how was the trip? Did you have a good time? The typical stuff that anyone would ask anyone else. Jess said, you know, mom is driving exactly the way that you always say. If I tell people stories that they probably feel are exaggerated. My mom is at a point in her life, now 79 and long retired. She's just going to do whatever the fuck she wants to do on the day. So I tell people, is your mom a good driver? Yeah, she actually is a good driver. Knock on wood, she's been driving 60 years, no major accidents. She kind of does her own thing. What does that mean? 
It means exactly what I'm telling you it means. She does her own thing. Red lights are optional. If she feels like making a left turn on a red light, she's going to make a left turn on a red light. She just doesn't give a shit. Now, if she knows it's a red light camera and she might get a ticket, she's not doing it. But in general, she's just going to drive as fast as she wants and she's going to break whatever traffic laws she deems not necessary to her life at that particular juncture as she approaches a red light or comes to a place where you can't make a right turn onto Pine Island Road from this street. Yeah, fuck you. That is her attitude. I was in the car with her once many years ago, coming back from the airport. We were at a red light. Her development was just to the left. And we sat there for no more than five seconds. Five seconds. It's not like we could say, well, the light is it's, it's the cycle. She just barks out to nobody in particular, fuck this, left turn on red. So now I'm going to tell you one story to give you an idea of, number one, how much I love my mom, how fortunate I am. She's still with us, knock on wood, healthy as a horse, and one of the funniest people ever. People wondered where my sister got her knack for stand-up comic and being comedic in stage productions as she was in high school and college and even afterwards. Off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway. She starred in an independent film a number of years ago. <laughs> but her mom is very funny. Often when she wants to be. Just like the story of No Soap Radio. And other times just because her view on life, I think it's pretty fucking funny. So we're going to rewind the clock, 13 years. And I had not visited my mother in a little over a year. She, the house that she still lives in now in Fort Lauderdale, it's in a, a development community. It's, it's homes. It's not like where I am, which is a bunch of townhouses, different styles and whatnot. They're standalone homes, but it has the same concept of there's a gym and there's a clubhouse and a pool, and it's the same concept, even though they're all standalone homes. So I was uh, bringing a young lady with me who was very important. I'm not going to say who, but most of you will be able to figure out who I'm talking about. And people who don't know me could always ask. But it was my first time. I was already 37. 37. It would be the first time that I was doing this kind of thing, that I was bringing uh, a significant other along on a vacation. So my mom, right away, conversation. Jake, you're an adult? How old are you now? 35? Mom, you know damn well I'm 37. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know how old you are. But you're an adult, and she's an adult, and you have a room to yourselves, and it's okay. She doesn't have to sleep on the couch. We don't have to make believe that you're not both adults. Don't worry about it. But I have to tell you one thing. I got to tell you one thing. You haven't slept on this bed. It's, a, it's on like a roller. The frame is a little bit off, and the bed kind of moves around a lot. Mom, what, what do you mean the bed kind of... I, the bed moves around a lot. It's not stable. I'm asking you, please... I don't give a shit what you do. 
Do not break that bed. Now, even as an adult, a 37-year-old adult, hearing my mom say the phrase, do not break that bed, the implications are all over the place. So we all know what she really means here. Yeah, there's no hidden meanings or hidden agendas. She's just laying out for me. Don't break that bed. Be careful. Whatever it is you two consenting adults are going to do, don't break that Please. All right, so I filed that away, and it did not get brought up in the ensuing three weeks before we actually flew to good old sunny Flow Ride in May of 2011. Land, mom picks us up and smooches, and she knew um, the young lady I was with a little bit. They didn't, can't say they knew each other well. They had met under unfortunate circumstances, actually. But So we're all in the car. And we are approaching where my mother lives, where she famously made the left turn on a red light. We didn't do that this time. But my significant other had not been subjected to or had not gotten the amazing experience of witnessing my mom's ribald, cockeyed, corkscrew sense of humor in person. So we're at a stoplight, and a couple walks across in front of the car. And I remember thinking to myself, man, that guy is he's not a particularly attractive guy. The guy was in his mid-30s. He really didn't look that well. The woman that he was walking with, I thought, was very attractive. And both of my companions in the car, my S.O. and my mom, clearly were thinking the same thing. Nobody mentioned that they didn't think this was that attractive of a guy. But my mom, apropos of nothing, once again, barks out loud to no one in particular, <laughs> that guy must have a lump in his sock. Well, needless to say, laughter ensued because we knew exactly what dear mother was saying. This guy is very weird looking, but he's probably got it where it counts. Otherwise, why would, he, why would this even happen? So we're laughing, laughing, laughing. We get back to my mother's development. And my companion, lovely young lady, we go to the guest room. And the now already iconic, infamous bed that moves around a lot. The box spring, it wasn't a box spring, it was some kind of rolling pin. I don't even know what the hell it is. But yeah, you go like this and it's moving back and forth. So I had told, I had told her, um, yeah, mom, you got to be real careful with this one. Oh, okay. So as she's getting her stuff together and we're excited, we're going to be, you know, going to the mall, whatever it was we were going to be doing right away, jump right in. So we had an early, uh, early morning flight. Uh, my mom calls me to the front. Jay, uh, I'm going out to uh, Publix. I'm going to get some fruit and... Um, some of the protein bars that you were asking me to buy and maybe some snacks for the two of you, okay? Yeah, okay, Mom. See you a little bit. Uh, Jay, I got to tell you something. Come up to the door. Okay. 
make my way to the front door of mom's house. My mother, who was, what was she, 65 at the time? 66. She does one of these. She's looking to see if the young lady can hear in the air. Mom, what, what's going on? Satisfied that we are out of earshot, my mom gives me the most serious look she has ever given me, or at least up to that point in my life. She picks up her hand. She points a finger right at me. She leans in and goes, Jay, do not break that bed. turns around, exits the house, go up to Publix. I start laughing, and I repair to the guest room, tell my lovely girlfriend, companion, important person in my life of what my mother just said. And the two of us have the kind of reaction that my parents had during No Soap Radio. We just can't stop laughing. But that's my mother for you. God bless her. And that was my dad. God bless him. May he rest forever in peace. My wonderful parents. The next big laugh is never far away, always just around the corner. And with that, we have come to the end of episode